Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you today about God as a changing reality. Now the title itself is going to rattle some of you in wondering uh, where I may be going with this. And uh, I am aware that what I am about to talk about is, um, is very important, but uh, for some of you is going to potentially upset you a little. Um, <clears throat> may make you wish to respond adversely and negatively. But I would say to you, could that be because the thing that I'm about to talk about is a present and active reality in your own life and understanding? And there's a um, little portion in the Bible that's not the only one of this nature that I could bring. But I want to bring it to you just to set the scene of, of what I want to talk to you about. It's found in the Old Testament <clears throat> of the Bible and it's in um, 1 Samuel and chapter 15 <clears throat> and this is what this is what it says this is what the Lord Almighty says I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them do not spare them Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. And Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. <coughs> Then he said to the Kenites, go away and leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive but all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. <clears throat> now, these are some of the parts of Bible that uh, preachers and teachers will refer to kind of in passing or to justify something else without actually stopping and considering what the implications are of what we just read. Now, you can call it what you like. And again, I, I'm not some wet behind the ears, greenhorn uh, coming into the church in the last couple of years and starting to read the Bible. And, you know, I'm a lifetime. I'm a lifetime in this. I, I am uh, for more than half of my life in full time ministry. 
uh, so, so I'm, I'm not coming at this from, you know, some trouble causing whippersnapper. I'm coming at this from well inside the structure. And I would say to you, you can call this whatever you like. But if we were to use modern parlance, modern language to talk about this, we would call it genocide. We would call it murder. We would call it ethnic cleansing. Now that troubles me. And there's another verse in, in the Old Testament, in, in the last book of the Old Testament called Malachi. And it's in chapter 3 and, and verse 6, and it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. What does that mean? D does it mean that this genocidal, murderous, ethnic cleansing being, who it is claimed instructed these, gave the instruction for, all these actions to be performed that, that that is who God is and that he does not and has not and will not change then we have a problem because when we transition into the New Testament of the Bible we have this guy Paul who is a Jew an Israelite saying things like in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And because I've said so much about people stopping at the comma, I will say I have stopped at a comma there and there is more to read, uh, which is interesting reading. And I want you to know you can go ahead and read that. But I'm just wanting to try and show you here that we have some kind of potential conflict emerging and we have to think about how we interpret this. Now, the study of anthropology gives us insight into the human concepts of God throughout the ages. <coughs> so, you know, as a very uh, layman's uh, simplistic, condensed um, view of this there are books and books and books about this but just as a condensed simplistic summary let me let me say this we in anthropology you look back and uh, you begin in in concepts of God uh, with the hunter-gatherers earliest civilization and uh, when we were hunter-gatherers um, animism was the primary de definition of divine presence of God. It was the predominant idea. Uh, it, it was to them a spirit-filled world and you had to keep the spirits happy and uh, you know because how else could you explain the floods how could you explain drought? How could you explain um, 
locusts and pests and uh, good harvests one year and bad harvests the next year or or plenty of plenty of um, animals to hunt one year and then another year can't find them successful unsuccessful so so the the predominant idea that grew then of of the nature of god was the idea of animism that that everything is is controlled by spirits we're in a spirit filled worm so world so spirits in the animals spirits in the ocean spirit in the in the clouds uh, and we better keep those spirits happy so so we began to develop in that animalism uh, a process of rituals <clears throat> um, designed to please whatever god to placate usually whatever god and hopefully um, uh, incite from them upon yourself uh, the ability to survive but but then as we went from hunter-gatherers and stopped wandering so much and then began to create farming and caring for herds and flocks which which was agricultural communities so we moved from hunter-gatherers to agricultural communities when we stopped wandering around and because of the the the, the need for crops being sown and and harvests and herds and flocks giving birth to offspring and um you know and they hopefully being strong and being able to give you good milk and good meat etc fertility became the predominant idea so we move from animism to fertility as the predominant idea and uh, if you look at this in history you'll find it's the only time in human history um, that feminine ideas of God emerge for obvious reasons because when they got into the realm of fertility of, of, of seed and soil um, of, of, um, of birth and growth and harvests uh, then obviously the, the feminine idea came in so you see um, back in anthropology as you study this that, that it's, it's the time in human history when feminine ideas of God emerged but then we moved on from hunter-gatherers to agricultural communities to complex communities. Now, complex communities were formed because of increasing population. And uh, now we begin, because of that populace, to have the need to develop militarily and governmentally to protect and to control them. Now, there's a sociology. And uh, with the emergence of complex communities came the need for another kind of God, the warrior God, <clears throat> the sovereign Lord. And this became the predominant idea of God. So now in complex communities, we had tribal chieftains because it became necessary. And it wasn't long before tribal chieftains were becoming designated as the divine sons of God. However, you perceived the, the personal nature of, of God, they became the appointed ones of God. It, it's, it's that era from where we get the divine right of kings. And uh, for those of you who don't know, one of the edicts that King James gave to the Bible translators when the King James version of the Bible was um, being brought to being, was that they must do nothing in their translation to undermine 
the divine right of the king, the divine authority of the king and the authority of the church. Now, uh, if you therefore think that there is complete purity in that translation process, <clears throat> then you're missing this vital element that that was necessary because they wanted to maintain the divine authority of kings and the divine authority of the church over people. Um, the problem is that now God is seen in that light. The one that emerged from complex communities is the one that really has transitioned through <clears throat> to us now because in essence we still live in complex communities <clears throat> with tribal chieftains etc just a, a, a just on a much larger scale <clears throat> so so in that complex community uh issue of of the warrior god the sovereign lord uh now god is seen in that light power shifts back towards males from the fertility female thing and God is now seen as the all-powerful, superiorly strong, all-conquering male being above the sky. And within the process of communal development, each people group had their own God or gods. Until the idea of the oneness of God began to emerge. Um, and this happened in, in Hebrew culture as well we could have a long conversation about that but the idea of the oneness of God began to emerge and out of that came the three major monotheistic religions Judaism Islam and Christianity uh, because of wrestling with the idea of of God's not just spirits in different things and God's not just the fertility process but there's something powerful about God and the, therefore um, you know he he because we then understood through the role of tribal chieftains and stuff, now, now God is mono, okay? Supreme ruler, the one. So, so the three major monotheistic religions um, took that idea, but each thinking its own understanding is right. Now, today's not the day we'd debate um, the, 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 that issue per se, but I want you to understand this in the context of God as a changing reality. So you need to understand that early Bible, okay, early Bible, for those of you who are um, of the same persuasion as myself or were raised in the same background, early Bible takes place. And remember what we read at the beginning uh, about that horrendous act early bible takes place in in the tribal phase of human religion and uh, christianity has found it difficult to shake this mantle and and what it produces is if there is a chosen people then there is a non-chosen people if there are a people who are accepted there are a people who are rejected if there are people who are friends of god then there are people who are enemies of god and so out of that we develop the idea which is the tribal idea um, that has permeated society in its it in its um attempt to 
create within the complexity um, the authority and the help structures that it longed for, uh, that we can justify anything because God already rejected them. So how I treat them doesn't really matter because God already rejected them because they're not chosen and, and we are. So I want you to stay with the emergence of this, this uh, mindset attitude. Uh, and then, of course, how that develops. And unfortunately, this is also true in many Christian circle mindsets and many individuals. God hates anybody who the tribe hates. And the tribe hates anybody that they believe God hates. And so it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle from which there's no escape without ridicule and rejection by the tribe. So if you dare to say, well, God as a changing reality must be considered, then what happens is the tribe will kick back it will kick back against you and of course you're in a position then of ridicule and rejection by the tribe because you must accept the concept that the tribe holds to. Now for those of you who are thinking yep yep um, religion always said religion's the problem uh, let me throw into this mentality political affiliation Because that's no different. I'm watching it happen all the time around me and I've watched it for my whole lifetime, not seeing it as clearly as I have done since I reached a little more mature age in my life. But political mentality, political affiliation has still become ingrained with the tribal mentality. It's become ingrained in the complex community with, with, the, with the tribal idea of a God. Now, you, you might say, but I don't have a God. I'm atheistic or, or I don't believe in God. But, but all of us have gods. All of us, you, we can call them anything we wish. And I don't mind you saying, you know, I don't believe in whatever. But we all have gods. We, we all have supreme things that we uh, um, give our allegiance, worship offerings to and so I, I want you to understand for many of you that that this not only reflects in in one's perspective and uh, and and manifestation of religious belief in terms of Christianity etc but the same thing permeates society in political affiliation tribalism the tribal God with all the problems that that creates because it's the same it becomes this self-perpetuating cycle you know we hate anybody who our ideological philosophy hates you know we are the chosen they are not the chosen we are the accepted, they're the rejected. We're the friends of truth, they're the enemies of truth. And so these things infect everything. So, so, so throw this mentality into p political affiliation, throw it into personal identification and you still see the tribal thing, gay, straight, transgender, hetero, 
it, it's it's all in there and that that's just the personal identification of uh, of the sexual um, nature of things but but you could put other things into there as well and and, and social identification educated uneducated rich poor i've watched it happen with brexit however one perceives or voted in the whole british brexit thing to to deem that one has the right to call any person who happened to vote brexit as a fool and a moron is an indicator that we are still governed by the tribal perception of deity. We have a tribal God, whether that God is the European Union or whatever, we have a tribal perception. Now, now likewise, you know, for anybody to, to, from the other side of the spectrum, start throwing stones and calling people who, in their understanding, felt that they wished to represent that in a different way, you have the same problem. And this does not make for a cohesive, kind, loving society. And we are part of the problem because we are still driven by concepts of God which are tribal in nature and so it may not be the christian definition of 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 this that you that you would hold to but it's the all-powerful superiorly strong all-conquering being we have to adhere to this this tribal chieftain idea and that tribal chieftain maybe a system or a party or agenda um or a position and we replace we, we, we replace prejudice with prejudice so so in all of these areas we would say we we should not we don't want the prejudice that those things represent but then we replace that prejudice with our own prejudice because we have this tribal mentality See, tribal religion is about justifying your fears and projecting your hatred. And that's about personal security to the, to the particular um, ethos or whatever that you have, you have adhered. And remember, I'm not just talking about late church things here. Listen to me, hear me, it will help you. Tribal religion identifies enemies. If you are acute at identifying enemies you are still in the grip of tribal religion and you will not help your cause you will just harm others tribal religion takes tribal prejudices and sanctifies them with re the religious or pious language or woke language let me say that again tribal religion takes tribal prejudices and sanctifies them with the religious or pious or woke language. But it's still prejudice. The tribal God only cares about the people of the tribe. Which means that mostly give or take a little, a little virtuous posturing. The people of the tribe only really care about the people of the tribe because everybody else is stupid and dumb and out and lost and whatever. The people of the tribe have specific interpretations 
which create initiation rites as the only way people not of their tribe can be accepted into their tribe. And that's a problem to me. It masquerades as right, as purity, as salvation, when it's rigidly stuck in the ancient mindset and attributes of the tribal God. Unfortunately, it lacks the love that it so dearly claims to have. So are you still wedded to the idea of a tribal God? In your affiliations, in your belief, in your in your attendance, in your in your association, in your membership. Jesus said something very interesting. He said, by their fruits, you shall know them. As one man used to say, who I knew very well, it's not by their suits, it's by their fruits. Are you still wedded to the idea of the tribal God in every aspect of life? So how do we get from hating our enemies to loving our enemies? How do we get from plaguing our enemies to praying for our enemies? How do we get from persecuting to blessing? How do we get from condemning to forgiving? How do we get from prejudice to justice for all? That word prejudice is an interesting word because it's made up of, of two Greek words in its root, pre and judis. You may know the word prejudice. Prejudice, prejudice, is about prejudging, not about prejustice. And yet so many who claim to desire prejustice, and by that I mean it is justice taken unto the guilty, to the undeserving, um to to the outcast to the to the rejecter to the opposer to the enemy justice being given to them in order that that justice being given to them through love might change them most don't live there most of us may claim or think we live there but but most of us live in this tribal mindset of prejudging tribal mindset makes you pre judge tribal mindset can give you nothing but prejudice prejudice and the deeper you go into the tribal concept the deeper your prejudices will become and not your justices but we claim we want justice but by living in prejudice and speaking this hear me so in the light of all this what really is the christ Iphan Ian story. Now this is an interesting question that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle with a little bit next week for you. What is and the reason I didn't say Christian is 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 because I'm trying to separate the institution called Christian from the revelation which is the Christ, which is a wonderful revelation for all humanity that breaks this cycle of the tribal God mentality and brings us from that place to a place of love and unity and cohesive cohesive connections with a proper understanding of who the divine is and allows God in his changing reality to humanity.
So, let me not go on to what I want to say next week. So, what is the real Christ, Ian, Christian story? Is institutionalised Christianity guilty of making Jesus the ultimate champion of a violent and vengeful tribal deity instead of the Christ who is the loving spirit that restores all things? I hope you're hearing me today about not just your religious life but about your whole life and I want to go on next week to talk about what really is the Christ Ian Ian story what really is the Christ Ian story because it's the one that breaks this cycle and dismantles the mindset of a tribal God, a tribal adherence in every arena of our life and brings us to the wholeness that can only come from the love that flows in what the Bible calls the Christ Spirit. Hope you can get with me next week as we talk about this and you'll reflect on what I've talked about today. I love you. I bless you. I'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.